Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in to Duval Daily, your daily dose of Jacksonville Jaguars news and analysis. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning in. As you can see today, we have a special guest, the first guest on Duval Daily here, NFL draft analyst, dare I say expert, Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. Make sure to go gas him up on Twitter, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. I believe I got that correct. Ian, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. I got to change that uh, that ta- that Twitter you know handle. I, everyone tells me it's too long, too many underscores. Too many so underscores. I'll try and find something a little more linear in the next cycle. But for now, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. I'm doing great. You know, it's been a busy cycle for sure. Um, I'm excited to kind of ramp up into the draft. And I was telling Jordan, you know, before the stream, like a little excited to wind down afterwards as well. But we've still got work to do. Still got prospects to analyze and, you know, talk about. So uh, we're in the home stretch, though. We're, we're getting there. Absolutely. And you just dropped a seven round mock draft yesterday, a full seven round mock draft for the entire NFL. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been doing, um, you know, one every month, you know, and it gets a little repetitive, but you know, it's, it's always interesting to play with different, you know, outcomes, possibilities. That's kind of the, the, what the exercise of a mock draft is all about, you know, just kind of running through the different probabilities and seeing what might happen. Uh, so, so it's always good, especially for, you know, rounds three and then four through seven, you know, there's yeah. so many different possibilities and I love running through those and seeing, you know, what kind of gems diamonds in the rough teams can get. Yeah. Well, you definitely have the Jaguars with some interesting ones, you know, round three and on, obviously more fans are going to be intrigued by what happens prior to round three. That's just the nature of how this thing goes. Um, but We'll jump into your mock draft, just kind of what you see the Jaguars doing and kind of frame our conversations that way. And, you know, it might get monotonous for you doing all those those seven rounds over and over again every month, but I'm sure the fans really appreciate seeing different scenarios. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work for sure, but, you know, I, I do it with the – and it, it's interesting too because at different points of the year, like your, your – your, um, what's the word your objective changes you know like early on like in august and september and october there's still so much football left to be played that you can kind of experiment with different possibilities a little bit more because nothing is set in stone whereas this mock draft now i'm looking at who teams are visiting with you know i'm looking at what the rumors are saying and you know you kind of just base it off of that a little more predictive in that sense so your methodology changes as the cycle goes on and that's another thing that i really enjoy about it yeah now it's all about nailing it getting it right right Exactly. And I, you know, I probably, I'm probably going to miss a lot, but you know, it's fun anyway. So. Everyone does. Exactly. And you know, if you're a mock drafter or if you're an NFL scout or an NFL draft analyst, you haven't been doing it if you're not missing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the best part, you know, missing helps you learn, you know, year in and year mm-hmm. out. So, you know, it's something that you kind of take in stride and you just apply it next year. Absolutely. Love it. So you can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And of course, if you enjoy the content, please go ahead and like it and subscribe on YouTube. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Ian Cummings of PFN, you have your uh, seven round mock draft that we're going to dive into. Trayvon Walker going first overall to the Jaguars. You can check out the entire mock draft on PFN. 
So just talk to me about Trayvon Walker and what's up with the number one pick right now. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. It's tough because I look at, you know, both of these edge rushers. It seems like the conversation has been dictated by Walker and Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. Those are kind of the two that are most often associated with that number one pick. We do know that they need they could use an offensive tackle on the other side too. Obviously, Walker Little and Juwan Taylor may be battling for that spot. Cam Robinson on the left side, maybe they're going to extend him. We'll see. But, you know, so I look at Evan Neal as another potential one that I would like there. File him at right tackle. And I think he's the one that's most worth that pick between those three. But right now, you know, the conversation looks like it's kind of steering towards either Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson. So with those two players, if you're putting them side by side, the question you got to ask is, which one would you take if you had to pick one of those two? If I'm, you know, especially right now, as we said, these mocks are a little more predictive. So if it looks like it's kind of being bucketed towards those guys, who am I going to pick, you know, if I had to choose one of those? So I look at both of them, you know, I think they both have limitations and different perspectives. You know, I do, I do like Hutchinson's floor. I do think he's a very violent rusher, you know, very high motor. Uh, he's got violent hands and he's shown that he can set up, you know, tackles and kind of win by, you know, he's got that speed to power. He's got counters in his arsenal. But at the same time, you know, he's a little bit on the shorter side with his arms, you know, under 33 inches. I feel like that could be an issue for him, especially with, you know, the leverage that he plays with. Very high pad level, can be very mm -hmm. stiff around the apex, doesn't have flexible hips. And then at the same time, you know, he tested very well, but I don't think he gets that elite first step out of his stance as often as I would like from him. So, you know, there's a few limitations that kind of concern me. I still think he can be, a, a, you know, a consistent, you know, eight to 10 set guy. But does he have that blue chip upside that I'm looking for with the number one overall pick? To me, he doesn't. Trayvon Walker does. Now, the, the caveat here is that I think the floor with Trayvon Walker is so much lower. You know, you look at what he does right now, you know, and I think there is an avenue for you to use him the right way in, in year one, kind of using him how Georgia did. You know, just move him all across the line, let him use that straight line power and disrupt. But if you're looking for him to be a pure edge rusher, you know, there's a lot of room for refinement there. He was largely reliant on those two-hand extensions, really just channeling that power forward with those two-hand extensions. Doesn't stack counters very often. You know, he doesn't show a lot of bend around the edge. I think he's shown it, like, in flashes. But in all my tape watching, there's only one instance I found of using ankle flexion and accelerating around the edge. So he doesn't – he just simply doesn't do it very often. I feel like some of it is because he wasn't asked to. But it's a very, very big projection to suggest that he might be able to do it consistently at the next level. So a lot of questions with him, you know, a lot of room for refinement. Uh, but at the same time, you know, 6'5", 271, 35-inch arms, ran a 4'5'1". I mean, this guy is explosive. He is extremely powerful, one of the most powerful edge rushers that I've seen. So the physical tools are all there. And if you can develop them, then you do have a, you know, potentially, you know, historic talent athletically, you know, a yeah. lot, a lot of room to go, uh, you know, with development. But I do think, you know, if I'm, if I'm picking number one overall, I want to swing for the fences. I don't want to get a guy who might be capped out. So that's why I prefer Walker. I don't, I don't like either. I don't love either of them at number one overall, but you know, if I had to pick one, I'm going with the upside. Yeah, to me, historically, both of those guys seem more like they'd be in the five to 15 range in a yeah. lot of draft classes. Um, I do prefer Aiden Hutchinson. Just you look at his ability to rush the passer and his ability to set the edge. I know we have the length questions, but I do think you see some incredibly athletic plays on tape from him that I don't think he really gets credit for. I do think there's upside with him. Um, obviously, the gap from where he is to where he can be is a lot smaller than the gap from where Trayvon Walker is to what he could eventually become. Um, and you have to rely on your coaching to get him there. Right. Uh, but it seems to me like 
it probably is going to be one of those two picks. But according to Trent Balky and Doug Peterson last Friday, they said there is uh, four guys that they've narrowed it down to. I don't know if that's posturing. I don't know if they're trying to drum up interest. But if it is the four guys, I would assume the other two are probably Ikem Ekwanu and Evan Neal, uh, just based on Doug Peterson's affinity for offensive tackles. You've seen both of them have pre-draft visits. Uh, what do you see from Neil and Aquanu, and how would you kind of uh, decipher those two guys if, if they were picking an offensive tackle? Yeah, so those two definitely feels like they're the top two guys. You look at what the conversation is kind of revolving around. It's kind of Neil at the top, you know, Aquanu right behind him. And we've, we've seen some mock drafts, too, where Aquanu does go number one overall. So they're a lot closer. Charles Cross usually, you know, kind of viewed as the third guy. But right now it looks like we got Neil and Aquanu kind of on an island up there. So how do they compare? You know, well, first off, I think, you know, Neil is my OT1, first off. And I also think he's the one Same that I would here. prefer. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I, I'm a big fan of what he has to offer. And, you know, I'll get into that. But I also think, you know, just from a fit perspective, too, if you're the Jaguars, you've got Cam Robinson on the left side. I know Tony Pauline, you know, recently reported that, you know, maybe they're trying to extend him. So it's it's an interesting situation having him there. You know, again, they haven't extended him yet, so we don't know what's going to happen. But either way, if you need a guy to play left or right tackle, Evan Neal has starting experience at both spots. So right away, you know, we've seen young tackles in the past play left in college and then try to transfer him to the right side in, in the NFL. It can be a bit of a learning curve. So, you know, having that experience, that stability right there, you know, is a big boost to me in, in, in my eyes if I'm picking Neal. But at the same time, you look at the tape. I mean, this guy is, you know, 6'7", around 350. I mean, this guy is massive and also so lean and so well-built for that size. It's, it's absurd. Uh, he's a very good athlete. You know, he gets he gets out pretty quickly with that kick. Very covers a lot of ground with it. Very athletic, matching guys around laterally. But, you know, the thing that was really impressive for me is the footwork. I mean, he has almost no wasted motion. You know, he gets so much depth on that kick, very smooth, very composed, matching guys around the edge and very efficient with his timing too. You know, he waits until edge rushers get in his wheelhouse and then he times those punches. He's not overzealous. He's not reckless with it. You know, very, very calculated and methodical with how he protects the edge. And then you look at him and run as a run blocker too. You know, the pad level can be a little bit high at times, but I do think he has pretty good knee bend for his size, can shoot into blocks and then has a straight line power and athleticism to move guys in space. So I love Evan Neal. You know, I think he's easily the top tackle in the class for that reason. I still graded Aquanu very high. And I think Aquanu, you know, a little bit shorter, you know, so has a little bit better pad level. He can still have issues with that leverage at times too. But, you know, especially in run blocking reps. I mean, this guy is a mauler as a run blocker. I mean, he gets out in space. He's like an apex predator out there. You know, he's got that length. He's got that closing speed. He can maul guys and bury them in the dirt. Uh, the pass protection did take a step up in 2021 as well. You know, I thought in 2020, he was really reckless. You know, he's a little inconsistent with the hand placement, you know, a lot of times. And sometimes he kind of get worked off balance. I thought he was a lot better in 2021. Still areas to improve. You know, the footwork could still be a little uncoordinated. Sometimes it gets worked off balance by guys. But there is, you know, it's an upward trajectory, which you like to see if you're investing in a guy, you know, right away. That said, if I'm the Jaguars, if I need someone to start right away and be a high-level pass protector, you know, I think Evan Neal is my guy. He's got that left-right versatility. Uh, so I would prefer Evan Neal. I, I like both guys, but especially for the Jaguars. And, you know, a lot of teams picking, you know, in that top 10 need right tackles. I mean, you look at the Giants, too, with Andrew Thomas, the, the Texans, Larry Tunsil. Of course, we don't really know if he's going to stay there for the long term. But, you know, a lot of these teams need a right tackle. And if we're talking about those guys at the top, which one can play right tackle right away? It's Evan Neal and, and no one else, really. So that, sets, that separates him. And then at the same time, 
he's a phenomenal talent. Yeah, I, I Evan Neal's my number one prospect in this class. He has been for quite some time. There's just very few holes to poke in his game. And, and I think the one thing you look at is the balance. And to me, that has improved over yep. the course of his time in college. And it's also it's an issue that pops up later in plays. Like usually he's already dominated someone before the balance issues pop up. Like it's when he's working to the second level. The one question I have there is, does Ike Mekwanu make more sense in a wide zone rushing attack uh, potentially than Evan Neal with his ability to get out and move and just bury linebackers and defensive backs? That could be that could be a deciding factor for sure. And I think mm-hmm. you look at, you know, the athleticism in space. Like I do think Evan Neal has good athleticism in space, but Ike McQuanu is a little more natural, like you said, getting out in space and kind of chasing guys downfield and stacking blocks at the second level. So I could see that for sure. I could see that, you know, a lot of factors to take in. You look at that, you look at the right tackle versatility, you know, you look at, you know, if you need an immediate starter pass protection wise, a lot of factors to take in. But that is one that I could see, you know, especially if you're trying to use that wide zone, we know they got Travis Etienne coming back, got James Robinson, you know, they're trying to dictate the game on the ground, you know, and help out Trevor Lawrence, then maybe that's something that kind of factors in as well. And then with Aquanu as well, I mean, you have the upside for sure. You have the upside for him to potentially become, you know, on Evan Neal's level and maybe even surpass him at the next level. Uh, they're both phenomenal talents, but again, the, the gap is pretty small. And in the eyes of the teams, if you think you can co- keep coaching him up, he does have the athleticism. He does have the 34 inch arms, the power, the tenacity, you know, it's all there. So it just depends on, you know, what you want to project him to be. And if he's a better fit for what you're trying to do, then I could definitely see that. Would you say uh, that, that Ike Mekwanu is closer to being an effective player in the passing game than Trayvon Walker is? I know it's not a one-to-one comparison. It's different positions, but the NFL is such a passing league now. Do you think, Iquanu is closer to being effective in that regard than Trayvon Walker is on the other side of the ball. I do think he is a little bit closer. You know, again, positionally not one-to-one, but if I had to compare them with Iquanu, we have seen flashes of good hand usage. That snap and trap, he can do that. Snatch and trap, he can do that. You know, he's got the violent hands for sure. It's just a matter of refining it. As with Trayvon Walker, you know, you're really kind of bare. You know, the cupboard is pretty bare there. You know, aside from the two-hand extensions, doesn't have a lot of moves in his arsenal and he gets moved around a lot. You know, it's kind of that mix and match player. You know, so if you want him to be more in the NFL level, you're going to need a lot of work to do. So I think with Aquanu, you know, we've at least seen the flashes of targeted hand usage and we saw him trending up in 2021, which again, if you're trying to invest in these guys, you want to buy low, right? So I think buying where he is right now, where he's still trending up and still kind of taking on the upward trajectory, very promising side for that development. As with, you know, Trayvon Walker, still quite haven't seen that upward trajectory. He wasn't even very productive as a pass rusher. You know, really, you're just yeah. banking on the physical tools. And at the, at this point, you know, it, it's a big bet to make if you're taking a number one overall. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. So if you had to decide today, who's the better pass rusher in two years, Aiden Hutchinson or or Trayvon Walker? Man, that's a tough one, man. But I you think can do the three-year projection if you want to as well. Aiden Hutchinson, I would... I would lean Aiden Hutchinson just because, you know, well, well, I do, there are things that concern me, like the high pad level, the stiffness, right? You know, he is so much more, far, he's so much farther along as a pass rusher than Trayvon Walker. It's a big, 
gap. It's a big gulch to traverse if you're, uh, you know, if you're, you're golf. Golf is the word I was looking for. <laughs> it's a big gulf to traverse if you're Trayvon Walker, who is really just kind of at the base, you know, at the very bottom of it. You know, a lot of potential there for sure. But I think Aiden Hutchinson, his floor is already pretty high there. So looking at where he is right now, I think Trayvon Walker can certainly improve in two years. But to say that, you know, he'll be the better pass rusher than Aiden Hutchinson, he would have to he would have to improve a ton, you know, a little yeah. more than I expect from him. So I think, you know, while I would bank on the tools sooner, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, if you're looking for that dependable player who's going to have a high floor and going to be competitive right away, uh, then he's that guy. You know, there are some aspects that maybe dilute his ceiling just a little bit more than you'd expect from his athletic testing. I do think that, you know, right now he's definitely a, a much higher level player. And I, I don't think that gap is going to close in two years. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. But I, I I will say I don't think Trayvon Walker I don't think his floor is like a bust I think he's going to yeah. be a good at the very least run defender that you can use in multiple different spots But again it's about getting that pass rush upside that we have yet to see So thirty three uh, the Jaguars also hold the top pick in the second round It's a really fascinating um, position to be in They had it last year as well But you have a, a night to kind of digest everything that happens on day one. Then you control the top of day two and you have a potential uh, nice trade piece. Cause obviously no one seems to be coming up for number one, but 33 could be interesting. I personally don't think the Jaguars should be looking to trade down at this point. Cause they already have 12 draft picks. Do you, do you think having that much draft capital is uh or using that much draft capital would you draft 12 players in a given draft or would you try to use some of that capital to move up honestly man i mean you should see me play madden i, I trade all the veterans for draft picks so like i i, I try and go to the draft with 20 picks so like okay. 12 right here like yeah my, my my official stance is and especially for the jaguars who still have a lot of holes to fill and i feel like that this class the the strength of this class is the depth right so i would probably stay put if you get a really good offer you know trade back or maybe if you if you if there's a player that you rate very highly especially in the back end of round one like there might be a guy that can really fill a need for you uh like you know maybe one of the safeties right you know i would maybe go up there for them uh because again you have the 33rd pick it's not going to take a ton to move up to like maybe 26 or 27 right depending on where you want to go uh, so if you want to be aggressive, you know, if there's a player that you really like and rate very highly, then I would be down for that. It just depends on the opportunity cost of it all. You know, what right. are you giving up? So and that's different for every situation. I could see that. But at the same time, at 33, I feel like you're in a really good spot. Every year we see first round prospects slip to that spot. So if you're the Jaguars, you have a very good opportunity for someone that you really like to fall into your lap, too. So you got to play the board. You got to play it situational by situation. Uh, but I could definitely see you know, being flexible, being, you know, open to other options and perspectives at that point. If there's a guy you really like and you think that he's going to go before your pick, then trade up for him. Uh, but if you think that you, there's a, like four or five guys that you like and maybe three of them go and maybe one is guaranteed to be there at 33, then stand put, get your guy and keep your capital. You know, I think you have that by ear, but there's a lot of options for sure. Like you said, the flexibility is really the key, the key aspect there. Yeah. And, and the guy you have fallen to them at 33 here would be a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, another Georgia defensive lineman. I personally value him a little bit higher than Trayvon Walker. So landing him at 33, I think that'd be incredible. Um, a lot of Jaguars fans are talking about wide receiver at 33. You have Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Christian Watson, Sky Moore all on the board here. Um, 
The Jaguars have been linked to Quay Walker at 33 a lot. So kind of just break down. Obviously, Devontae Wyatt, I think, is just too much of a value to pass on there. Is that your take on that? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the value is very good. I have him graded as, uh, you know, he's kind of in that range for me. He's kind of in that, you know, 25, 35 range for me. The size is, you know, he's a little bit undersized, but I don't factor that in too heavily for defensive tackles because especially, you know, what you're drafting going to be, which is that three tackle gets those one-on-one opportunities. You don't need to be huge to, to fulfill your role there. And you look at what he brings on the field. I mean, the dude is explosive. The lateral agility is off the charts. I mean, right away, right off the snap, he can stunt those gaps and generate displacement. Very violent hands. He's shown that he can use those rips, those arm overs. Pretty good arsenal right now. You know, I think the biggest things with him is, you know, the 24 years of age. And, you know, he does have an off-field arrest on his record, but that's been a while ago. You know, teams are going to do their homework on that and figure out if they want him in their locker room. You know, at this point, I do think, you know, maybe those push him out of round one. But once he gets there, you know, he's too high level of a player to, you know, let fall any farther. And especially for the Jaguars, you got Davon Hamilton in the nose, you know, put uh, Devontae Wyatt at three tech and just let him rush one on one and let him be that guy, that catalyst on the interior for you. I really love the fit. You know, I think with those hybrid fronts can be a very strong player. And, you know, I just think the athletic upside is too much to let fall now obviously you could go a number of different routes it just depends on what's on the board like you said a lot of wide receivers i tried to see because obviously i do think the depth is a little bit better at wide receiver than defensive tackle in this class so i was kind of hoping you know maybe i'll get Devonte wyatt right now and then see what's there at wide receiver at, at uh 65 you know or maybe and that's they, exactly what you did here exactly exactly so and then uh safety as well like if lewis seen is there i'm running to the podium mm-hmm. i love i think lewis they Seen. would too Yes, I would I would consider trading up for him, honestly, because I'm, a, I'm such a big fan of him. But, you know, if his safety is there, you take him. Uh, but with Devontae Wyatt, I just played the value. Uh, it's, it feels a need and if you're a very talented player and you can probably get something at other positions later on. Yeah, and it's pass rush juice as well. I know a lot of people look at a defensive tackle. They don't really think pass rush, but that's what Devontae Wyatt is for you. Like you said, that three tech, yeah. I think he can hold up to it. The point of attack in the run game, if you play him inside, he's not just a pass rusher. So uh, I think that would be a home run of a pick. But he has some uh, some really impressive plays where he uses that lateral agility to kind of stunt gaps and run defense too, like yeah. on move, like piercing through, knifing through. So I love that about his game. And then you know, pass rushing, uh, edge rushers get all the hype, but the quickest path of the quarterback, straight line so on mm-hmm. the interior. You know, I think it's a cohesive symbiotic relationship. You need both, but some um, you know having that can really help. You know, free up guys like Josh Allen and, and Chase on as well. So it's I think it could really help that defensive line. All right, so we have a couple third-round picks here. 65, they go get Justin Ross, Trevor's old buddy from Clemson. And then at 70, Daniel Falele, the uh, offensive tackle, played right tackle over in Minnesota. He's a really interesting story. But um, just talk about these two picks. Uh, Do you personally value Justin Ross this high at 65? So he's a day two guy for me. I really like the player for sure. And I do think there's some questions, you know, about his recent tape. But I look at, you know, he was battling a foot injury for a lot of this past season. And he still Mm -hmm. put on pretty quality tape, I thought. You know, I think not an elite athlete. He's never going to be an elite athlete. He tested, I think he ran like in the four sixes or something. So doesn't have that deep speed. And that shows up on tape. Uh, and didn't test very well with explosiveness either. But I do think he shows more burst on tape, that functional burst. You always want to kind of go back and, and reference that. And to me, you know, I was just very impressed being a 6'4", 205 receiver, you know, very good route runner from what I saw. You know, I think this guy has very good short area agility for his size, good foot speed. Uh, he's, you know, eating up those stems, those cushions for the DBs and kind of breaking pretty fast. He's got that good hip sync, that stopping ability. And he's pretty methodical, too. He can use those head fakes, right? So 
You know, I really love the route running with him. I think that gives him a high floor. But when the ball comes his way as well, he's got body control. He's got good instincts. You know, the hands can be a little bit better sometimes in contact situations. But again, I do think he has the size, you know, and the instincts to wall off DBs and be a good target there. Uh, and then after the catch as well, he's got some agility to him. I think, you know, you're looking at a pretty solid three-level threat with that size. And for me too, you know, we look at the Jaguars' offseason signings. Obviously, Zay Jones, uh, you got Christian Kirk, who signed to a massive deal. You know, they upgraded that receiving core for sure. But at the same time, you know, is there a guy that, you know, can really elevate it for Trevor Lawrence? And I look at the chemistry that he and Justin Ross have. To me, that's an added element because you got all these new pieces. It might take them a little bit to, you know, gain that chemistry with Lawrence, a young quarterback. Whereas with Justin Ross, he played a few years in college with him. So I think that chemistry element can help provide a little bit of a familiarity, some comfort to Lawrence and help them along uh, this offseason and kind of put together, you know, be the final piece to that receiving core. So he's a day two guy for me. I definitely value him here. Uh, I think, you know, probably in the, he, he might, I still got to grade some players. He might wind up in that 60, 75 range for me, but I do have him as a day two guy. He's not a day three, even with the athleticism. Yeah. Uh, and then especially with the chemistry, the chemistry and the fit kind of weighs him up for me. This is one of my favorite matches for that reason, getting Trevor Lawrence a familiar player, especially after last year, someone who can, you know, provide some comfort for him can maybe help him take a, you know, have a bounce back here in 2021. As for Falele, this was an interesting one for me because, again, I, the scheme fit to me wasn't perfect. You mentioned the wide zone. Falele to me is more of that power gap type guy. isn't great in space. But I look at what the Eagles did with Jordan Mailata, an, an Australian-born uh, football player who was very, very big. You know, I think he's a little bit more athletic than Falele. But I do think Falele, if you can get him in that weight management program in the NFL, you know, cut down some weight. Maybe he can glean more athleticism. And then you look at how he plays at right tackle. You know, we've seen, we see NFL teams sometimes where they have that left tackle who's a little bit more athletic, you know, because that's the blind side for most quarterbacks. So they don't have the luxury of, you know, having that tackle in their line of sight. Whereas with right tackle, you know, sometimes you just need a big guy, a powerful guy who can get his hands on guys and lock them down. And if they get beat, then at least they're in the line of sight for the quarterback so he can step up and, you know, you know escape and kind of extend the play. I think at this point, Falele, it's, it's tough to tag down where he's going to go because, mm -hmm. again, he's such an interesting player. You know, you look at the size. Can you glean more athleticism from his frame, you know, with that NFL training regimen? I think it's possible. You know, he's still got to fix that pad level. You know, he's still got to fix the lateral, the lateral mobility. But I do think at this point, you know, we know that Peterson has worked with a bigger blocker on the bookend before. So looking at that, you know, maybe it's enough for them, especially with that uncertainty at right tackle adding another body in there and seeing what happens. So to me, especially with, you know, right tackle, this right tackle class after Falele and, you know, even really after him, it, it really thins out. There's not a lot of options beyond that. You know, if you're looking for a natural right tackle, the factor in that equation, this class is very thin there. So at this point, you know, if you don't take Falele, that might be it for you. You might be looking at guys that probably aren't going to factor into a starting equation or a battle anytime soon on day three. And to me, you know, at that position where it's still a little uncertain, that was a risk I was willing to take, even if he's not a perfect scheme fit, just getting that guy with those tools in there. Yeah, I know they've brought in Rashid Walker, who obviously played left tackle at Penn State this past season. I think he's a little bit too much of a projection. I'm not sure if I see the athleticism from Rashid Walker. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Falele, interesting athlete, right? He's just a mountain. So, yeah. so you have to factor that in. Uh, I, I think that would be an interesting pick. And like you said, Doug Peterson has worked with those bigger guys before, even in a, a zone rushing attack. Now, Dylan Parham, he is a guy the Jaguars have shown a lot of interest in. You have him sliding to 106 here for the Jaguars. 
uh, top of day three. Talk to me a little bit about him and his fit and, and Doug Peterson's offense. Yeah, so I think with him, you know, you're getting a little bit better athlete, a guy who I think can play in those wide zone schemes. I think, you know, after Brandon Litter retired, they still have Tyler Shatley. They've expressed confidence in Shatley. Uh, but that said, I would want to get uh, some solid depth in there. And I think that at the very least, Dylan Parham provides you that. At the Senior Bowl, I was really impressed with his ability to, you know, he's re- got really good knee bend. He's got a good base for sure. He can stay steady in that base. But at the same time, you look at the physical, you know, makeup that he has around 6'2", 5'8", 311 pounds, uh, 33 one-eighths arms. So arms over 33 inches. So, you know, I, I like guys that are a little bit shorter but have those longer arms because when you're shorter, you know, you have natural leverage, right? You can get under guys easier, but with longer arms, you can hit the contact point sooner. You can, you know, go man to man against longer defensive tackles. So, you know, always good to see that good core strength for sure from Dylan Parham. And I know he tested very well too. He had a 493, 26 and a half inch vert, you know, 8.83 RAS, 8.84 RAS. So the tools are there for sure. And I think the guard center flexibility, he has experience with both. Uh, gives him some utility as a depth guy in round four and then you know eventually can go on to be a starter I think he has the tools for that too so at this point you know just that offensive line getting insurance and, and good tools to potentially become a starter is kind of what I was banking on here yeah I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if he comes off to the the board to the Jaguars in the third round mm-hmm. um so you've got obviously the Jaguars have a ton of picks on day three. Is there anybody you know? You've got Tariq Carpenter, Kyler, Kyler McMichael, Jack Sanborn, an interesting name who I've seen connected. Alec Lindstrom as well. I know they were at that Boston College pro day. Jesse Lucetta, a Senior Bowl standout, kind of shifted his role uh, at, at Penn State in 2021, and then Leonard Johnson and Dontario Drummond from Ole Miss. Is there a, a day three pick there that? kind of piqued your interest the most out of all those guys? It's a tough one for sure. I mean, Drummond that late is interesting because he's around six foot, I think 215. He's got a really good frame density, right? So I think getting that in there can be a decent ad late. Again, you know, I love to take late round swings on wide receivers, right? Just get more depth in that position. It's never a bad thing. Tariq Carpenter is really interesting. I know he's been generating a lot of interest late. I think he's around 6'3". You know, he's a bigger dude for sure. He played safety. But he tested very well athletically, and that explosiveness yeah. shows up on tape. You know, I could see teams maybe looking at him as that safety linebacker hybrid, right? Uh, you can move him around a little bit in the defense. Still got some development to undergo, but can be a very good special teamer early on, too. So I look at that. Maybe someone banks on the upside early day three. I do like Luketa that late. That was an issue where, you know, if he's going to go that late, it's at that point where I think he would be a very good value deal. You know, play him as the on-ball Sam who can rush the passer and kind of stay close to the line. You know, I love the physicality, the tenacity that he, finds, that he uh, you know, plays within that range. And at the Senior Bowl, he showed good speed to power. So I think he can, yeah. you know, even though he's a little bit smaller, can match up with guys and kind of be a threat there. So, you know, overall, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I think Al Lindstrom gives you more depth. Again, that was more of a value deal. Even after getting Parham, you know, some more interior depth is never a bad thing. And I think getting him in that rotation. At that point, you know, if you're picking anywhere else, not a lot to lose, you know, not a huge opportunity cost with that round six pick. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it playing the value of the board. Uh, but overall, I think with the Jaguars, the biggest thing, you know, those day three picks are important. But getting that first overall pick right, getting that 33rd overall pick right, using it however you can, and then getting that 65th overall pick too, because round three is another area we've seen very good players fall to that range. So it's all about playing the board, see what happens, you know, and if you need to move around a little bit, do that, but be flexible, be open to, you know, moving around and just try and get the most out of those first few rounds. I do think there's a lot of depth in this class to take advantage of in day three, but 
uh, those early round picks, there's no replacement for them. Yeah, I know I've kept you on here a little bit longer, but one final question. If the Jaguars, who are connected to Quay Walker at 33, if that's the pick they make, do you value him in that range? Do you think that's a reach? Just talk to me a little bit about that. So I, I do really like the upside with Quay Walker. And I think, you know, it all goes back to the tape, 6'4", 240, very explosive athlete, very twitchy in those short ranges. I, I love the athlete and how he's put up, put together. I do think that he flashes instincts, especially in the running game, can match laterally very well, can come downhill and tackle. In coverage, he's definitely more of a projection right now. He's not supernatural getting back and managing space. You know, can let guys sneak behind him sometimes. The blind spot awareness can improve. But I think the traits are enough to bank on there. Maybe that'll be a little bit early for me, but I, I know I have the physical traits graded very highly, and I do think that there's enough processing capacity where he can improve. You know, it's not like the eyes are a liability for him. He's very good matching plays and tracking them. So that's a place where I would be comfortable taking him. Again, if there's two Georgia defenders on the board, if Lewisine is on the board with them, it's not a discussion for me. You take Lewisine, mm -hmm. but it, it depends on who's there. I think if Walker is one of the best options there, if the board didn't play very well at other positions, then I'd be down. Get him in that linebacker room. I think he has a lot of upside, and that his max projection can be a very versatile, dynamic defender for your unit. And then, you know, on top, the the, the issue is, you know, like Devontae White. If, if you pick Quay Walker, you're probably not getting Devontae White there. So try and get a defensive tackle later on, too, because you want to have a strong defensive front that the linebackers can play behind, play off of. But, you know, just pure upside, pure, you know, potential, what he has, what he brings, what he has to offer. Uh, I really love it. And if you can get the most out of him, then you're getting a very good player. Awesome. Well, Ian, I really appreciate your time here today. I know the Jaguars fans are thrilled to kind of get a, a national NFL draft analyst's uh, opinions and an insight on what the Jaguars could do in the 2022 NFL draft. We're three days away. Uh, I know everybody can follow you on Twitter at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. We're going to get rid of some of those underscores <laughs> in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Um, but just tell people how they can follow your coverage of the NFL draft, um, you know, starting on Thursday. Yeah. So, you know, usually going to the Twitter is going to be the hub for it for sure. So at, you know, underscore Cummings underscore nine, make sure you follow that. But yeah, if you have any questions, just feel free to, you know, add me, hit me up there. I'll be happy to answer them for you. As for PFN, you know, really just writing, updating scouting reports a little bit more. We got a big board update coming. I think tomorrow we've got a 2023 big board, initial big board that we're working on oh, as boy. well. Uh, so <laughs> I've got to watch those to 300 guys already, man. It's crazy, but it, it helps to roll into the next year. Um, as for the draft, you know, we're going to be grading teams in real time live as the draft is going with each pick. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then obviously post draft, you know, how did each team do? That'll be a big factor as well. So a lot of draft content on the way. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I'm pumped for it as well. Again, we are three days away from the NFL draft. That's going to do it. Really appreciate Ian for joining us. I uh, really appreciate everyone for tuning in. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube and check ginjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.